you're now in the Geoffrey de Havilland hangar. Which this and now this hangar looks, you know, looks very spruce. Yeah. Very spruce. Is this a new part of of the museum? That's right. Yes. Um, opened in 19, uh, in, 19, in 2019, yeah. and it contains a, a range of aircraft, both uh, pre-war and post-war, and perhaps one of the most iconic aircraft, the uh, de Havilland Comet 1A, the first jet-powered airliner that flew in 1949 initially. Right. Mm. Gosh, yeah. So quite a range of aircraft in here. Shall I show you one or two? That yes, I think? let's let's yeah. have a little look through. Okay, as say. So yeah. yeah, this looks like a sort of um, a hybrid between a, a helicopter yeah. and a plane. Yes, it is really. And we've got some newsreel from British Movie Tone News, 1931, which shows this very aircraft um, uh, on some test flights in West London. Um, I gather, I think that's Hampton Court. There. Right, yeah. Mm. And so looking at this, it's got wheels, it's got wings, yep. and it's also got three blades, like a helicopter, yeah, yeah. And, and a propeller at the front. So it would yeah. have taken off, Derek, by going along a runway, and then, then yeah. the once airborne... Oh no, looking at the, yeah. the images there, so the blades were going around all the way through as well. But something that I really can't grasp is that the rotor, the big helicopter part, yeah. is actually unpowered. It, no, it is the really? yeah, no, it is the it's apparently what well, it seems like getting something for nothing, but it apparently that the it's the um, the propeller on the front that that gives it its power, um, but once it starts to move, the rotor begins to turn and adds lift, mm -hmm. so you get very short takeoff and landing. And what was what was this used for? What was well, the... it it was in the, in the interwar period. There were all sorts of. Um, interesting aircraft because it wasn't quite clear how aircraft would develop yeah. and the auto gyro like this was was one such attempt to develop light aircraft um, that could be sold you know well you'd have to be of um, substantial means but you know mm. to be sold outside of the armed forces right I'm so, with you. Yeah, and it looks a very narrow cockpit there as well. Yes, it is. Yeah. And with that, is it one or is there another seat at I the back there as well? I think you can get a second person in. I, as you look at the newsreel here, you can see the amount of air pollution in London. It's all coal yes, burning in yes. those days. Yeah. Yes. So, so th throughout the museum, we've got these little uh, sort of video clips yes. just to sort of supplement um, seeing the, the planes and the vehicles yes. all, in, all in action. Yeah, it very usefully augments... The, the, the static um, displays to see them uh, as they were in in the 1930s. Um, oh, incredible! Yeah. Incredible! And it takes off again. Yeah. And that's one of the things, isn't it, about war? And people that we've spoken to that have studied history say that during wartime, technology advances <laughs> at a far quicker rate Absolutely. than during other times. Yes, yeah. it does. It does. I mean, it's just sad that you have to have a war to really make quantum leaps but that's exactly what happens um, so that's the auto gyro, gyro and a lot of the auto gyro was in fact based on the tiger moth which was one of the iconic planes of the 1930s so yeah. here we are this one was ended its days as a crop sprayer you can see oh, the vents wow. there yes but 
very successful. It was the RAF's basic trainer for many and years. seen in many war films. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then if you look immediately above where the pilot sits, shown in red there, that's the fuel tank. Um, oh, uh, yeah. Gravity feed, <laughs> reinforced, cor- like a yeah, corrugated I'm with vehicle. you. Yeah, and then if you just turn your head slightly that way, that's the, um, the post-war equivalent, which is the de Havilland Chipmunk. Yeah. And, and you can see they're a similar size, similar, yeah. but obviously the oh, chipmunk looks, is... Chipmunk looks really sporty and quite jazzy, doesn't, doesn't it, really? Yeah. yeah. Here, things getting uh, much, much more modern with uh, this aircraft, which... As you can see, there's the Swiss flag. Yes, yeah. Um, well, we've got, we've got the Swiss, we're getting very European here because oh, we've got we the are. Swiss flag. We've got an Air France yeah. fus- fuselage. <laughs> yes, that's right. And the Royal, the Ro- what an interesting thing yeah. we've got here, the Royal Navy. So this yeah. is obviously using similar technology, is it? Yes, but, well, um, de Havilland, as well as devising some very effective um, conventional uh, engines, were in the forefront of uh, jet engines as well. So they were used in uh, military aircraft and then the, the advances in technology were used to power the um, Comet yeah. uh, jetliner. And right. here you can see the, the Vampire. A lot of, of um, de Havilland's aircraft had a, an insect. I know a Vampire yes. is not an insect, but he was interested in butterflies yeah. and aircraft. Wow. And so that's, that's where the, the names come from. Yeah. But you can see how modern this is. And again, yeah. high proportion of wood in, in this um, with the um, twin uh, tail there and the jet aircrafts <laughs> sitting in between them. Yes, yeah. yeah. Wow. Shall I start here? Yes, yeah, so as I say, we've, yeah. got, we've, we've just wandered over to um, the Comet, which is... I would probably say the first plane or fuselage that we've come across that looks very familiar for what we see today. Yes, yes. And inside, although it's like a, a time box from the early 1950s, you can see how in a hop and a skip you're into, uh, you know, your... Um, Easy jet and <laughs> yes, yeah. Uh, what, what a lot of people will be heading off on a well, yeah, hopefully will. heading off on a holiday. They will. Yes. Yeah, 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 indeed. So you can see here this huge picture of them actually making the prototype uh, at Hatfield in 1949, um, and you can see the square windows, which um, yeah had a bit of a problem. We'll talk about that. Um, and it, it flew first in 1940. Nine, and then flew commercially in 1952. So it's, what, it's 70 years ago. Now, yes, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So let, let's come on board. Indeed, right. Oh, lovely. It's interesting, isn't it? Because you're looking at this from 19... What was it? What did you say? 1940s, 1950s? Yeah. Not a massive amount of change, really, no. in the, the no. sort of structure. I mean, a bit bigger, obviously, yeah. nowadays. The first thing that strikes you is, is the actual entry is quite small. Yeah. Because, obviously, well, you, you know, the bigger it is, the more of a weak spot it is. Mm. So, keeping it small uh, yeah. keeps it strong. So. Right, and it's, as it says there, mind your head. So, yeah. uh, mind your head. so we're just making our way so in here. 
So what we've done here, we've, yeah. we've kept this side um, sort of stripped down and with a display. But if you look down this side, this is pretty much what it looked like. Yeah. Yeah, so looking at two as each, how many how many rows have we got? Probably about um, ten to fifteen. But two, two, just two seats side by yeah, side yeah. on each side of the uh, aisle. Yeah, I think we're talking about a capacity of um, approaching fifty, something like that. So not huge by today's yeah. standards, but significant compared to pre-war aircraft. Gosh, yes, the jump is incredible, really. Yeah, oh yes. It? Well, we're back to technology um, uh, being stimulated by. Um, by war and uh, another uh, development here is the uh, oh, of course the on, on suite facilities, ensuite facilities yeah. which yes. you certainly didn't have prior to the war there might have been a chemical toilet but yeah that was about all so yeah male and female there and although there are um, well they're not lockers but they are secure shelving yeah they were really designed for books and handbags and personal items what would happen is when you boarded you take your hat and coat off and there were wardrobes here oh right like to yeah, I see, yeah 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 it's, it's as i say different it's that's incredible the advances but yeah the traditional the traditional setup is what we would see on a plane now mm, but you yeah. can just see how things have been have evolved developed yeah. i mean we've still got you get your air blowing down and you oh, a bit yes. of cold air hot air um, and a, cl a click to get the uh, attention yeah. of the uh, stewards and stewardesses. personal personal light reading light yeah. there as well yes oh yes very very much so um and the the, the, the trays uh, these trays are interesting in that they're not original um they have been now retro engineered sometimes we've been able to get um, uh, original components but sometimes we've had to look at photographs and plans and use those as the basis right for i'm with you yes but you can see you know this is much as we it's not it's not a fold down from the, the back of the seat in front but there you are and you know i'm amazed to see on every seat we've got a little ashtray <laughs> <laughs> well yeah i at smoking was permitted and i, I th there were ashtrays uh, these may have been used for cups as oh, well right um yeah. but yes it is uh you know the idea that you can smoke uh, the, the whole thing was um really aimed at, at very wealthy normally business passengers yeah so you know that i don't know what the costs were but they were beyond the um the, the ordinary man in the street um, and the first flight went from London down to Johannesburg and had to make numerous stops because um, it needed to refuel. They yeah. couldn't take... And we, we, we have aircraft today that will fly London to Hong Kong yeah. in one hop, but in those days, they were stopping not just to allow passengers on us off, but more so to replenish fuel okay and as you said this the the left hand side has been stripped away yeah uh, with the the seats are gone and also uh, the inside the, the um, yeah. furnishes what, what have we got here is this well, kind this, of an insulation yes this is insulation and soundproofing as well inside yeah and then there would be a, a cosmetic cover is one of the weaknesses was uh the fact that the windows were square right. don't see square windows no, now no. they're oval yeah um, another weakness was around i think one of the air uh, an aerial uh, fitting that was in the top um and there was another weakness in the 
in the side. Gosh, we're coming yeah. to a little first class area. Yes, is yeah, this? you've got a first class area here. And just ahead, you can see we've got the galley with state oh, of the wow. art yes. food prep there, made by GEC. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And is this where the luggage went as well? Yeah, luggage went in here. Um, right uh, behind the, uh, uh, yeah, behind yeah. the cockpit. Yeah, that's right. And uh, you can see, uh, for this is how it would have looked. It's been being restored, they're nearly finished now, uh, to a, uh, uh, an accurate replica of what it was. But the amount of information that you've got to take in there, because it's all um, analogue, it's all dials, yes, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but you can see the critical ones. There's a, a sort of a, a white outline square. Yes, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm with you. They're the critical ones. Right, so they're the ones, at. those six yeah. dials within there, Absolutely. they're the ones that yeah. you do need to focus yeah, on. Yeah, they're the critical ones. Right. But okay. a, a crew of four to, to fly it, and then you had the cabin staff as well. Gosh, so very that? different from today. Yeah, indeed, yeah. indeed. And if we go back here, you can see... An airframe in a water tank, and this was done, uh, pour it, put, filling it with water and then letting the water out to replicate that oh, stress. Yes, I'm with you. Because what happened was that several of these aircraft were lost. There was a catastrophic implosion because um, this, as you say, isn't very thick. No. Uh, and when it broke, and if you remember, uh, you know, if you get a say a paper clip and you keep flexing it, bending, bending, eventually it would get weaker. It, it yes. weaks, and yeah. then it will just break. Well, this is what happened here, and at first, it was very difficult um, to work out what the cause was. You know, sometimes it was bad weather, but um, finally they they had some wreckage of one that seemed to indicate that it was this. Um, uh, metal fatigue and uh, the, uh, the the fleet was grounded and they um, uh, tested them thoroughly uh, and in fact this very um, fuselage was um, uh, like it was destined as you say for Air France it was brought back to Britain and uh, was going to be tested but it was never actually used and that's why it came to the museum in the early 1980s right. but it was sorted and uh, briefly we held the um, uh, transatlantic fastest run yeah. before Boeing's, who had of course been standing on the sidelines and watching <laughs> as, it, as often the way, yes, yeah, um, uh, moved in. But uh, it was a modest success, and uh, thereafter, you know, we produced Tridents and uh, uh, the one four six. So it, uh, we we did gain some benefit from it, but it. It, at the time, it was world class. Yeah, really was. It's very impressive, really yeah. impressive yeah. inside. And it, this came as an empty shell forty years ago. There wasn't even a floor in it. So, so the it, museum have just really, as yeah. a, from it being stripped back, have built it up and re reinstalled yeah. it, restored a, it to what we've seen yeah. now. There, there for the, the technical volunteers, there is um, uh, their, their group. So there is a, a dedicated group who look after this aircraft. Just that there's a dedicated group that look after the yes the mosquitoes. Right, lovely. Where, where should we head off to now? Right, well, here we are. you can see that yeah. Uh, the so bomber. so so we've just come out of um, sort of the the inside bit. We've come into the open air. Yeah. And we've got the the bomber that we saw when we uh, first went through the first hangar. Yeah, that's it. And sometimes, if the weather's good, we, we 
bring that out and, oh, and right. it stands here and it's a marvelous photo opportunity i bet visitors yes. do you know they say can we take photographs and of course you can you know we're we're delighted this is our next big restoration project ah. um which is this sea vixen yes uh, faw fighter all weathers so this was uh based on um uh, aircraft carriers we're it's only going to be a uh a cosmetic right exactly yeah um but uh, uh and the the um structure that you can see over it um will will give us some uh, a tent effect indeed like a kind so of canopy it, yeah, over it so like the guys canopy, can work yeah. on it so as you can see so we've got now i'm looking here and we've got it well, well, i don't know what you describe this is sort of like a chunk a portion yeah it's <laughs> it's, it's the first section from the front of a trident that oh, right. was uh the the aircraft that replaced the comet the comet and you can yeah. see the size already oh yes the the growth in the size and development yeah. is incredible yes it is it is um, and then we were just given from a museum in Manchester um, uh, the nose section of another uh, Trident jetliner so we have that there I'm we will be working on that and restoring that. Um, but let's let's walk out to the field here. So people will donate these, and it's it's not. I mean, which is very kind of them, wonderful. But the museum must have to raise money then to house it, oh, work on it. Yeah, you uh, know. So yeah. someone just saying, "Oh, we've got this," you know, have <laughs> yeah. this. That's not. It's not as easy and straightforward it, it as that. It isn't. Um, actually, this um, British Aerospace One Four Six, and uh, your listeners might remember these flying around in the early eighties, built at. Uh, Hatfield and then at Woodford near Manchester yeah and these are um, 400 of these were built in round numbers um, the most successful British um, civilian airliner oh really Gosh. yeah and uh, quite a few of them will have uh, oh, yeah, will have flown on these and um, yeah. I understand I think I'm right in saying that this cost us a pound right. <laughs> okay. yeah it costs us a pound. As I say, initially. Initially, yeah, <laughs> initially. Well, that's right. And we've got a team who work on, on maintaining this. But a remarkable airliner, um, the, known as the Whisper Jet. Powerful and therefore quiet. And it flew into and out of um, uh, London Docklands, is it? The oh, one? yes, yeah, yes. Eastern, yeah. yeah. Short, quite short takeoff and landing. And you can see some other aircraft here. Um, the... Uh, uh, the executive jet, the 125, and then a, uh, a heron there and a dove just beyond. They're um, all fine-looking planes. I like the heron. I think it's now decades, but yeah. doing a thorough restoration and using, wherever possible, the original materials. So, you know, I don't know if you can still... Ah, this is fortunate because here's John. Good afternoon, John. Good afternoon. Thanks for speaking to us. Or you just happen to be wandering past. So, just tell us a little bit then what's what, what this is and what your role in it is. Uh, well, this is these are the wings from the Dragon Rapide, uh, which was a 1940s biplane. Um, we're in the process of uh, recovering the wings with with fabric. And we're using a, a modern fabric called Seconite because it's about... Originally, these wings would have been covered in Irish linen or Medaplan, similar yeah. to the Mosquito fabric, uh, and then doped. Uh, with, with this, it's, it's Seconite, so it's, um, uh, it's about a fifth of the cost of linen, and it lasts yeah. about five times longer. Well, it's a no-brainer then, really. Uh, yes, uh, but also this, this was 
destined to fly. That was that's been the right. long the long term yeah. ambition for the last mm. 25 years or so. This project's been mm. going, although sadly the this decision was made recently that it uh, it probably won't because there's various issues to do with the CAA approvals uh, yeah. dating back about 20 years. And how long would this would this take? Or does it depend on people walking past and stopping you and talking? Partly that, because we, uh, the, uh, I've, I've only been working on this for the last year or so, so I'm by no means an expert, but yeah. uh, a lot of the guys here are ex de Havilland and, mm. and are experts in this type of uh, well, fabricating technique and that yeah. sort of thing. And so they're always happy to uh, enlighten passers-by. So there is a bit of that. Yeah. And, and most of the guys who work on this only come in on a, on a Wednesday. So it's, no, it's right. a bit of a social event as well. Yeah, so I thing, bet. Well, so things do progress quite slowly. But yeah. uh, we're hoping that... Uh, well, we started the, the fabric covering um, year before last, I think, and then obviously things were significantly delayed by the pandemic. Uh, but we hope that the wings will be pretty much complete by, uh, by the end of this uh, summer or autumn. Um, maybe they won't be painted until next year, but uh, mm. to all intents and purposes, they should be completed within the, within the next year. If you don't mind me asking, John, what's your background then? And I'm, how you ended up volunteering here? Yeah. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a geologist, but I've Already. always had a, an interest in uh, old cars, old planes. Yeah. Uh, mm. been growing up in the 60s with all the, yeah. the films like 633 Squadron and Battle of Britain <laughs> coming out and that sort of thing. And yeah. you know, making, making all the FX models. So I've always been interested in that. And also I've had an interest in, in restoring things. Right. And uh, mm. I, when I joined here three years ago, I was uh, given the opportunity to join a, a small team that was carrying out restoration work on the auto gyro mm. uh, yeah, yeah, so uh, so I cut my teeth on that and uh, uh, had some some uh, sort of expert yeah. tuition on on that instruction and uh, then progressed to, to joining this team a year and so a lovely ago. place to volunteer well obviously the award recently backs that up but yes well I, I find it very personally very very fulfilling um, you know from a I don't know it, it's nice it's hands-on and mm. uh, and uh, uh, I don't know how to describe it really, but I like I like doing kind of yeah, fiddly indeed. detailed work yes, and course. things that take time. But there's no there's no rush to complete anything, so yeah. you're you're not you're not under pressure of time as you are normally in the working. And you're local as well, are you? Yes, St Albans. Oh right, yeah. indeed. Oh fantastic. Mm. Well, listen, we won't hold you up. Thank you ever so much mm. for talking us through that you're and um, chatting to us. Appreciate that, John. That's okay. great. Thank you ever nice so much for yeah. that. Cheers. Yeah. And thank you for mentioning the. Uh, Auto gyro, because I remember yes. you working on that a year or two ago. Yes. <laughs> it was looking terribly shabby, wasn't it? And uh, uh, yes, it's, it's, there's still more to do. Uh, yeah, I would imagine that with lots of it, it's, it's um, you sort of start and then where, where do you stop? You know, cause um, it's, good for, it's perfection. Well, with the auto gyro, it's a bit different because it, it's owned by the Science Museum, oh, and right. so we can't do anything to it without their approval. Yeah, and for many many years, they didn't want anything done they wanted it left left yes, as it is because they didn't want they'd, they'd rather have a an artifact that's as original as possible Indeed, ra rather yes, than restored although it did undergo a major restoration at Hatfield in the 1970s <laughs> right. so, um, so uh, but anyway about three years ago they gave approval for yeah. us to do a lot of work to it and we, we finished that and they were very happy with that and we suggested other things that could be done and they've agreed to that so uh, as and when I have more, more time more on time. my hands. Yeah. I will. I will be doing, well, doing more of that as well. We, we'll leave you now. But John, thanks ever so much. Okay. Appreciate that. So this is a lovely little area then. This, yeah. this hangar, so people well, can peruse through, see the work. Yeah, actually see happening. the work happening. That's that's right. Um, and uh, yeah, there's a a real Aladdin's cave here of, of what we've what we've got. And, 
uh, you know, sort of some nice workshop equipment that uh, our more skilled volunteers can uh, can use. Yeah. And really, that more or less brings us back to where where you came in. Yeah, which is wonderful, which is absolutely fantastic. And so, Good. listen, I thank you ever so much, Derek, for taking us no. around. As I say, it's been a whistle-stop tour. And hopefully, you know, when people listen to this podcast, they'll be able to get an idea mm. of what it is down here. Or even if they've been, you know, then put some images themselves, which they've got in their oh, minds, yeah. to what they've actually seen. So, yeah. with your um, expert knowledge as well. But um, 